Hey, I'm excited to, to wrap up our series called Breath of Life whether you've been with us or not for the past uh, few weeks or month while we've been talking through this series, it's really been about worship and that God has given us breath. He, he's breathed his very breath into us, his spirit into us. And the scripture, the psalm says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord, that we're supposed to return that back to him. And so I just want to close out this series today in a, in a little bit of different mode. Maybe some of you guys kind of got in this mode this week. Um, kind of on rest and, and on the Sabbath. Uh, I, I started off my, my college journey uh, as a music major, and, and I'd never really had, I'd had some vocal lessons, but never vocal lessons like I was experiencing there. And I learned that the apostrophe in music is very important. Like, like you know, the apostrophe, it's so important in music, it's one of those little symbols, and it's super important in like a Messiah's handle, and you're holding your breath in another language and singing these long phrases. And then, you know, you, you see the apostrophe and you thank God for the apostrophe because the apostrophe is also known as a breath mark. It's also known as a luft pause, which that, that might be a jeopardy question. That would be the only reason you need to know that a breath mark is also called a luft pause. But it just is, is signifying for the vocalist or the woodwind musician to take a breath. Like after a long, take a breath. You need to take a breath now, not only to recover from what you've just come through, but also to prepare for your next line. Uh, and, and breath is utterly important. A vocalist, if, it not, if they don't have the proper breath, it'll impact their dynamics. It will impact uh, their pitch, and it will probably affect their ability to sustain the note. And, and the music suffers without the breath. And, and the truth of the matter is that we suffer without breath too, right? If we don't take a breath, like our, our brain cells start to die. You know, if you hold your breath for too long, <laughs> have you ever noticed how magicians that do like the hiding underwater thing, they, they're like, it's crazy. And like, you got to know they're killing brain cells as they're holding their breath for that long. But also, do you realize that the stunts they do after that are just dumber, even dumber? It's like they've killed enough brain cells that they continue to do more. We need breath. God has created that. If we don't take a breath over a certain period of time, we'll begin to hyperventilate our body trying to rescue us from ourselves because we don't stop and, and take a breath. And here's the beautiful thing is that in the scriptures, God has given us a breath mark. He's given us this apostrophe in our life to just tell us, hey, Take a breath. It's called the Sabbath. The Sabbath is this breath mark for our lives that say, hey, hey, this doesn't depend on you. This doesn't depend on, on me. This depends on God. It's not about the work of my hands, but the work that he's doing in and through me. Let me give you this simple uh, definition here. Sabbath is an intentional, set-aside, 24-hour period to obey, trust, rest, and delight ourselves in the Lord. It's a set-aside time to, to, to rest and to breathe, to, to take a breath. And it's in our schedules, and um, it, it's utterly important to our lives. And God wanted us to know this. From the very beginning, God wanted us to know that Sabbath is really important because what did he do in creation? God modeled 
God practiced the Sabbath in creation. God not only modeled it in creation, he commanded it in the law in Exodus chapter 20 in the Ten Commandments. He commanded it. And not only did he do that, God fulfilled the Sabbath through Jesus Christ in his death and resurrection. He, he practiced it, he commanded it, and he fulfilled it because on our very best day, we can't keep up with the law. So he gave us Jesus. So let's just talk through these for just a second. Did God need to model it? Like, did God actually need a breath after the last 50,000 stars? He's like, God, I'm, I'm, God, I'm exhausted after creating those. God didn't need to take a breath. He didn't need to take a, a, a day off. He was screaming to us that I'm, I'm not going to lead you with this authoritarian hand, like all these false gods and people assume of that. I'm going to lead you by example. And he would do that to the very end in his death and resurrection. The, the Ten Commandments are very interesting in the literary use of where the, the Sabbath, honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. We'll look at that text here in a minute. It's very interesting where, you know, there's ten of them. The first three have to do with protecting our relationship with God. God wanted a unique individual relationship with us, and, and those are the first three. And the last five or the last six are, are, are really about protecting our relationship with one another. Honor your mother and father. Don't steal from one. Don't kill. Don't lie to each other. All those things. They're about our relationship with others. And here, the commandment of the Sabbath sits at the fourth position in like literary outline or chronological order, as if to say connecting our protection of our relationship with God and protecting our relationship with man is somehow bridged and connected through this one of take a day off. Set this day, this day aside. And I think for, for many of us across the room, Sabbath has just been another thing. It's been a day off. But I hope today that we're going to begin to see the depth of it because even in Jesus' death, he rested in death on the Sabbath. They made sure he was in there and closed away, and we didn't see any more movement or activity till after, after the Sabbath was over. I want to I turn to a text here this morning in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. You've probably heard this text before, but I don't know if you've heard it in light of the Sabbath and, and its importance in our, our life, but I think it's going to be really helpful and really practical for us this morning as we kind of think through, hey, I had a vacation and now I'm back into the grind, or I've got a vacation coming up, and, and, and I want to help you learn how to rest better and what God has designed in this. Um, and because of what Jesus did, it's not, a, it's not a law for us to keep up with. It's a life-giving principle that God has shown us from the very beginning that we need in our life. And, and so we, we need to, to understand this. So let's look at Hebrews chapter 12, um, verse 1 here. I think, yeah. Uh, Therefore, we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. So let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance or endurance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, perfecter of our faith. We'll just stop right there. I really want to talk to, to us this morning about running a race for endurance. Do I have any endurance runners in here? Like some of y'all like to run long distances. Come on, yeah. Well, what's the longest you've ever run, Giancarlo? 15K, which is like how many? I don't even know. Nine something. There you go. What's any other endurance runners? Yeah, how many? What's the longest you've run? 13. All right, the half. 
The half, nice. All right, so those are endurance runners. Do we have anybody who are survival runners, right? Survival runners, and you're not running unless you get chased? Raise your hand. Come on. Those are my people right there. Those are my people. I heard one stand-up comedian say, like, when you get dressed in the morning, you put on flip-flops, you make a choice about what your day is going to look like. You're assuming you're not going to get chased if you put flip-flops on, you know. Um, Yeah, I'm a survival runner. I've always hated running physically unless I absolutely have to, unless I'm being chased or unless I'm um, enjoying a game of of some sort. But uh, while I don't like it physically, I've always run emotionally at a pretty high level. And I've always, when it comes to work, I'm always running. Like when I'm doing things around, I don't, I just don't walk. Like if you follow me through a hardware store, I don't just like stroll. I I basically am in a light jog (laughs) getting, I just, that's the pace that I have in my heart. And, and, and I want to talk to you this morning about running the race for endurance because the, that God has set out a race for us and we can't see the end. We can't see the finish line, but just like on those long distance runs, we're going to see the markers along the way. And he wants us to run it with perseverance, with the long haul in mind. But inside of us, like we're not okay with being patient for the long haul. And God has given us this, this Sabbath, this gift in the Sabbath that says, hey, take a breath. It doesn't depend on you. Like, uh, hey, in our planning, it's not about my to-do list and my five-year plan. Like, just take a breath. He's got a race marked out for us. We just got to be faithful in today and trust him and delight in him today. And so I want to talk about this and just give you a few tips, and I'll try to keep it brief today. Uh, One, the the first one is you've got to know when you're taking a breath. Like that's the first thing. You got to know when you're taking a breath. Like God set it aside as a specific day, as a specific time. You got to know when you're taking a breath. For me, I actually um, do the the Jewish Sabbath, which is sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday. And so um, you, you got to know um, when you're taking a breath. It means it's got to be on your calendar somewhere. It's got to be on your calendar. Hey, think about it right now in your own life. Do you have it on your calendar somewhere? Like, do you know when it is? Like, everything else is on your calendar. Is there a time that is set aside to the Lord? Well, it's not commanded. I know. I know. But what, what happens with us is that we just keep going, and, and then we go home, we find more chores to do, and we find more work to do, and, and there's new projects and more errands to run. And, and if you've you got kids and, and multiple kids, like the laundry is always going to be there. The to-do, my wife just said amen. But it's always, it's going to be there. It's going to be there. This whole journey of the Sabbath, and some of you probably think I teach on it a lot, and, and I, I probably think I, I don't teach on it enough. And I don't teach this out, out of my, my own pain and struggle, because for a couple of decades, I, I was just like the Israelites after God had delivered them from slavery. 400 years of slavery. All they've ever known is work, 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 seven days a week. And for those of you in the room that you've got on a schedule at some point in which you were working seven days a week, how long does it take before you just burn out? It doesn't take very long, right? It takes a month of doing that. And you're like, I can't. And for 400 years, generation after generation, all they had known was work, work, work. And the truth of the matter is we don't have a Pharaoh looking over us, telling us to work every seven days, but we've got a Pharaoh living inside of us that says, you've got to work, work, work. This depends on you. 
to make it happen. So the first thing is, it's been such a journey for, for me. The past five years have been absolutely freeing in my own spiritual life because of this one principle. And when I say life-giving, I'm not saying that. I was like, hey, this will be life-giving for you. I'm saying this has been life-giving for me. And that's as I look into the scriptures and it gets talked about regularly, that's what God was saying to us. He modeled it for a reason. And, and there's something to this. I mean, look at the text in Hebrews, or excuse me, in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11 here, and you'll see this. I think we've got it up on the screen. This is actually in the Ten Commandments. This is what was commanded. I can look it up. If you don't have it, no biggie. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. God gives more words and verses to this one text than any other. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Not, not make it holy, just keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor animals, nor the alien within your gates, not aliens like foreigner, <laughs> um, someone, you know, I, I think it would look like a mission trip, right? You, usually when you go on a mission trip and you get there, like that first day, it's kind of a Sabbath. Hey, let's just, let's just acclimate. Let's just rest for a minute from our travel. Let's prepare for what's ahead. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that's in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and made it holy. Did, did you realize there's something about a set-aside day? Is it holier than other days? Like, I think some of us would be like, that's kind of a tough question. Like, aren't, isn't every day holy? Isn't every moment holy? But, but God blessed this day, and there's, some, there's a blessing for you when you stop. And when you keep running, I think you miss out on the blessing of trusting God. And what he went, you're missing out on it. And so um, I, I know for us, like years ago, um, we had just started out in ministry and I was so hungry just to, to do for God. And along the journey, I, I had forgotten or lost how to be with God. Just doing. Working 80 hours a week for the Lord and I had no joy for it. We're gonna look at a text in a few minutes that, that will help bring light to that. But it, we would be so exhausted, and here's how we planned a vacation. Well, first of all, we didn't. Um, we, we didn't plan a vacation, but we'd get to the point, like the breaking point, where like, I'm about to quit if we don't get up out of this town. And then like, within 24 hours, we'd plan a seven-day uh, trip, and we'd be like, all right, peace, y'all take care of it, we're gone. Like, we would just get to that breaking point, and most of us, that's what we do too. Like, we don't plan, it's not on our calendar. Um, Pastor Rick Warren really talks of, about... Um, talks about uh, this idea as the discipline of rejuvenation. He doesn't call it that. Because the discipline of rejuvenation, that we need something daily to rejuvenate ourselves. We need something monthly. Like, what's your plan daily for rejuvenation? Like, what's, what's your plan monthly? Like, annually? Like, mom, dad, like young working professional, what's, what's your plan for rejuvenation? Because if not, you're just going to get to a point where you're just so burnt out and you're just like, I'm, I'm done. I'm going to quit everything. And we, we don't see anything. We've lost our joy in the process for what we do. And, and so there's this discipline because if not, it, it's, it's death by a thousand chores on the Sabbath. 
It's, it's death by a thousand to-do lists and home projects. It's, it's slowly killing our soul. And through it all, what's subtly happening is we don't trust the Lord anymore. We, we just trust our, ourselves in it. This discipline of rejuvenation. I was talking about um, something similar to this with my brother-in-law, who's a therapist and a counselor. And, and he was telling me this, this thing called, um, gosh, I, I'm losing what it was actually called now, of course, um, the, the habits of expression, the habits of expression. That we need these habits of expression daily. And he, he listed six of them. I'll see if I can remember all of them. One of them is moving. We need a habit of, of moving, whether that's dance or exercise. There's something that happens in there that primes our emotions, right? Some of you, like when you're super stressed out, I just need to go on a run, like, if you're in my camp of people, <laughs> that ain't what you first think about. <laughs> yeah. um, the, the other would be, would be words. That, that's another habit of expression, like talking. Like, some of we're just so pent up, and, and we're so frustrated because we, we haven't communicated how we're feeling in a long time. And I'm not trying to get all counsel with you, but I'm trying to, to help you. And, you know, you, you need these habits of expressing what's going on, not, not just to other people, but to the Lord. Other ways of words would be with, with writing or with singing. M- music is, is another one. Playing music or singing music would be another expression. Like, I know for me, that's how I really got into guitar is I was, uh, you know, broken and jacked up as a teenager. And, um, and, and I would just get in my, my room and I would just strum my guitar and just sing and just express all the weird emotional stuff that a teenager is going through. You know, um, laughing, crying. We need these habits daily just to express weekly. So look, here's the question. Here's the challenge for you. Like, where is it on your schedule? You got you to know when it's happening. When's it taking place? 24 hours to shut it down. 24 hours. Second thing is not just know, but you got to discipline yourself to take the breath. Like, no one's half the battle. It's on my calendar but the, the other half of that is I got to discipline myself to actually do it. This is the harder part, right? This is the harder part because I've always, my, like Taryn always knows, like on like Saturday when I wake up, like I've, I always, always have three or four projects around the house that I want to do. But it's my Sabbath too, right? The yard needs to be done. I didn't get it done Friday or I didn't get it on Thursday. So it, it's, it's still, it's still got to be done. So that list is always hanging there, staring me in the face, and I have to make a, make a choice. And what I think is beautiful about the Exodus passage, it says, in six days, do all your work. Here's the, here's the beautiful thing. Most of us, we're on a five-day work week, right? So we've really got two days to kind of play with here. And so if we would just discipline ourselves to do this, I think we could do it pretty easily. Like we just do our errands on another day. We just do our yard on another day. And then on this day, we rest. I mean, the punishment in, in, um, in Judaism was very high for this. Like at its peak in, in Judaism, like the punishment could be up to death. Like very strict punishment. And I think this is part of it is we don't have that punishment so visible anymore so hardcore, it, it's way more subtle. Like over the course of three months, I begin to feel distant to my wife because I've been saying yes to the Pharaoh inside because we haven't slowed down to delight in one another and connect. And so that's way more subtle than, hey, you're going <laughs> to be put to death 
if you don't obey the Sabbath, it's, it's, it's way more subtle. But it's a game changer for us when we begin to, to discipline. So I love this passage in, in Isaiah 58. Uh, he's talking about true repentance and true fasting. Isaiah 58, verse 11 through 14, just to kind of look at a little bit of a longer uh, text here. Um, Isaiah 58, uh, verse um, 11. Uh, is this the kind of fast that, uh, no, yeah, begin down with verse 11. That's not it. All right, uh, verse 58, yep. No. All right, uh, verse 11 here. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called the repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. And he, listen to this. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and doing as you please on my holy day, this is God talking to these people, if you'll do this on my holy day, if you'll call the Sabbath a delight, even here, beasts like before Christ, even before it's not a command, even if you'll see it as a delight from the very beginning, see it as a gift. I mean, you got to love a God who says, take day off. If you call the Sabbath a delight and, and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way, and by not doing as you please or speaking out of words, that's all the ifs, then you'll find your joy in the Lord. And I'll cause you to ride on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob, the Lord, the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Before I found that scripture, I found that to be true as I began to practice it. I, I found that in seasons in which I was not disciplined in the Sabbath, I lost my joy. But in seasons, and it didn't matter the amount of hours I was working. I could work 80 hours and six and, and uh, have my joy of the Lord. But when I, I did 80 over seven, I, I lost my joy. I mean, I, God's created it this, this way. He's shown us there's this breath mark and we need it and brain cells are dying and the punishment is there. We just don't see it. It's not as sharp as it, it once was. And so we've got to discipline our, ourselves to do this. And I know across the room, it's hard. It's hard. Some of you, you're in different places. Everybody's in different places. So for, for, for those of you that, that don't have um, children or don't have young children, it, it's a lot easier to, to experience the Sabbath. If you're in the room and you happen to be in the stage of life I'm in, it's much harder to experience and do the Sabbath. Like it just really is because we have young children from two to seven and they have needs and they need to be met. And, and so uh, it, there's just no shut off period for that. Like we can't just tell them go in your room for 24 hours and then I'll holler at you after that you come out. You know, that doesn't work exactly. They'll take you to jail for that. Um, so here's what I would say to, to those that are, happen to be in that stage of life or, or maybe you've got other factors in your life, maybe a, a weird work schedule, or pick a day and stick with it. Pick a day and stick with it. Like, just set aside. Like, one of the things we're going to begin to practice is lighting a candle on our table for 24 hours. And it's just a symbol for everybody in the house says that at this time, daddy's not going to work on projects. It's a reminder for me. It's, it's an opportunity for me to teach my kids about the Sabbath and that God loves us so much. He doesn't want us working every single day. That we're not born to work. We're born to have a relationship with God and to worship him 
And, and for most of us, we, we think the only way we can worship God is when we're doing for God. I, I love the John Piper quote that God is most delighted in us when we are most satisfied in him. And God is most delighted in us when we are most satisfied in him. And that's what Sabbath is. It's just delighting in him when I'm not doing anything. When I'm not seeing forward progress, I'm trusting he's moving that thing twice as far down the field than what I can do when I'm working on my own. And so it's a powerful, powerful thing in our life. So, um, you know, set, a, set aside a day, stick with it, discipline yourself. Uh, one of the things that we're kind of in the works of trying to, to get better at when it comes to those maybe with young children is, is have, practice some give and take, like give and receive, like uh, maybe take turns. There's kind of different aspects of this. Um, one is to just stop, like discipline yourself to stop. That's, that's the hardest part, right? We just want to get up and go on our day off. We just want to go and like go do, do things and we find out we're more, more exhausted than when we started that day. Sometimes it's fun and other times it's, it's just work. We find a way to, to go in. So take turns saying, hey, babe, you go get some quiet time. You go down to the river, grab a coffee. Like, so, so find some ways to just pass, pass that opportunity. I can't do it this week, but you can do it. We'll rest together as a family. Um, but, but there's a legacy that comes with those that have kept the Sabbath and those that have not. Like, Did, did you hear what that verse said um, there at, at the end? Uh, then you'll find your joy in the Lord, and I'll cause you to ride on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father. There, there's a legacy that comes in that, that your, your kids will get. It, relationally, when you slow down and you say, hey, this is, this is a day that daddy's not working, that, that mama's not, we're not focused on our projects today. Because if not, the only day off I have could be with me mowing the grass and doing projects and them over my shoulder and not me having genuine relationships. So, so practice it. That's not just for parents. I, um, I think that's for, for couples too. Um, and, and for single adults who are hustling, maybe you're a solo entrepreneur and just hustling, kind of making your way. Um, it, it's just as important. The, the consequences are, are there as well. So you got to discipline yourself to do it. Here, here's my challenge here is what's the hardest thing for you to not do? on a Sabbath? What's the hardest thing for you to not do on the Sabbath? Is it emailing people back, replying to emails? Is it texting with clients or, you know, moms in the house that's cared for my kids, you know? Can't get past that. Maybe it's preparing for the week ahead. All that stuff. And the truth of the matter is that what's going on in there is we're just not trusting in the Lord. Here's, here's the last thing. And and I want to turn to Psalm 23 to talk about this. It's you got to know that God's your breath. You got to know that God's your breath. Um, I'm going to read this, this passage here because um, God wants you to, to be free. Know that God's your breath. Psalm 23, uh, verses 1 through 3. The Lord is my shepherd. You've heard this, right? I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside where? Still waters. He restores my soul. Let's just stop there. He restores, he refreshes my soul. And this is what God wants to do in the Sabbath. And most of us, all we want to do is be led up the mountain and we don't want to be led beside quiet waters. Just lead me up. I'm going to keep going. Just lead me there, God. But what if, what if he's not leading you there on the Sabbath? Like what if he's just, he's leading you to some quiet waters he wants to refresh your soul in it. There's something in this, 
in this early part of this text that I think is powerful for us. Um, we have these, these weights. Uh, if you go back to the Hebrews 12 passage, there's these, these weights that happen in our life. These are too small for me. Maybe for my wrist or something. I don't know. I got cankles. That's just part of the cross I bear. But there's these weights. If you go back to that Hebrews chapter 12 passage, strip off the, the weights. And what happens is in our life, we fill our, our life with these weights, don't we? They're not, they're not sinful. They're just heavy. And we don't ever take anything off. We just keep adding stuff. Now our, our kids are not just on Saturday soccer. It's year-round soccer and we're traveling half the year. It's not sinful, but it, it's, a, it's a weight. And after a while, it's exhausting. And, and we're tired. And, and I was this guy when I was young and in school, like I wanted to be involved in everything. And, and I realized that none of it was sinful, but it was just weights and it was just holding me down. And what the Sabbath does is it, it begins to confront those weights, help us to slow down and just strip some of those things off and in order to, to experience the freedom, in order to run the race with endurance. We've got to slow down because God's going to do something in that time as we stop we realize, man, the reason I'm exhausted is, is these weights. God didn't put these on me. These are just, they're not necessarily sinful, but they're exhausting me, these weights. And then we've got these, these things, too, that just wrap us up and they trip us up. And it's, and it's actually sin. We can call it what it, what it was. I, can, I need probably somebody here to help me. We can just wrap this up. And this stuff, it's actually, it is actually sin. And this is, this is my, my story is pride was so deeply rooted in, in my heart. Um, and, and I would paint it off as a high work ethic and a high drive for ministry and for God. And I would call it holy, and, I didn't, and nothing holy is going to hurt me. And this gift of the Sabbath began to just set me free to begin to experience the joy of the Lord. Because... I was getting tangled up. I was not who God called me to be when I was running at that pace. And the truth of the matter is I was very aware if I kept running at that pace, I would not make it the distance. I couldn't run it with endurance. I've always been a, a sprinter more than uh, an endurance runner. But when it comes to, I don't know if that's going to actually change with my physical body, but um, I, I know spiritually it's changed in my life. I'm in it for the long haul. I love the Craig Rochelle quote that don't overestimate what God wants to do with you in the short run and don't underestimate what he wants to do in you in the long run. Hey, like if the ministry doesn't grow as fast as you want it to in the next two years, like it's okay. Like God, God's got you. Like he's, you just plant seeds, you just water. If, if like you don't get to where your five-year plan said you were in your career, like just take a deep breath. Like, and one of the phrases I've been, been telling a lot of leaders and individuals in our church that are in their 20s and 30s, like, hey, your best years are going to be in your 50s. Like when it comes to ministry, like your most fruitful years is, gonna, is probably going to be 20, 30 years down the road. Can, can you just be okay with that? Just take a deep breath. And God's doing something with you in this season. It's going to go with you for your life. He's got a race marked out for you. He does. He does. So just rest today. Make it on your calendar. 
No, those things that are going to trip you up, the death by a thousand chores or whatever it might be in your life. Know when it is. Discipline yourself to actually walk in it and know that God's your breath. God's your breath. And, and, and the, the purpose of, of the, the Sabbath isn't just to, um, um, just to kind of check it off the list. It, it's, it's to encounter God. I'm not looking. And I think for many of us, what we do in the Sabbath is, is we just look to escape. I've been working hard all week, and I'm going to take this day, and I'm going to escape in my shows. I'm going to escape. And, and the purpose of the Sabbath is not for us to escape, but to encounter God. And so whatever you run to, whatever is so easily entangling you, or just some, maybe some weight, some stuff in your life, I, I want us to experience freedom and this life-giving gift and principle God has given us in the Sabbath. So walk away today, put it on your calendar. Spouses, like, talk about it. Like, when's, when's our time? Like, talk about, hey, this is the thing that's tripping me up. Because you know what? Spouses, uh, your spouse is, is sick of you answering those emails on your day off, too. <laughs> like, they're, they're sick of it, too. And there's something missing there. And, and I believe what God's going to do is he's going to ride you. He's going to lift you up to ride on the heights and experience the joy of the Lord like you've never experienced it before. As I stop, I rest. I delight myself in the Lord. And even when we contemplate, we contemplate, God, what are you doing? What's tangling me this week, God? Where are you at in this situation? Where have I missed the mark, God? Where are you leading me? What's, what's next? And most of the time, God's just going to like, just be still and know that I'm God. Just be still. So what we're going to do right now is they're going to lead us in a song. I want to ask you to stand. I want to pray over you, and then I'm going to invite you to the table. God, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for this time we get to share that your word is so life-giving and you're not looking to strike us dead, God, but you, you're, you're drawing us in through your goodness and your example. And that example from the very beginning all the way to Jesus' death on the cross and even still today, God, through your Holy Spirit, you are leading us. I pray that every individual in this room, God, would know that you have a plan marked out for them. And they can't see all the pieces moving together. And I can't see mile five. But God, I just need to see the next runway in front of me. The next stretch to just be, a faith, be faithful and to trust you by stopping when you tell me to stop. And to rest in you. God, I pray for those that come in with a Pharaoh driving them on the inside. And God, I pray that we would recognize it's demonic. It's, if there's something inside of us that's driving us to slavery, even though we've been set free in Christ, God. And I pray that you would just, you would help us strip off through your blood of Jesus Christ and through your Holy Spirit, strip off the, the, the sin that so easily entangles and the weights that hold us down that we might run this race for the long haul. We thank you for that today.